Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are back with another Through the Years episode, but this time we're doing something very different. This might... I'm going to go out on a whim and say this is the first zombie film... First lot of zombie films we've covered on the podcast. I might be wrong. Yeah? I am wrong. No, no, oh. no. At least the first traditional zombie films... Yeah. Do you know what? There's been so many episodes, I do struggle to remember them all. Well, we are discussing the (laughs) very loose franchise of zombie flesh eaters. Yes. Or zombie... uh, It's confusing, isn't it? I mean, we we would call it zombie flesh eaters. Yeah. Zombie flesh eaters 1, 2, 3 and 4. But then in Italy... They'd call these four films Zombie 2, 3, 4, and 5. Yeah, and in America, they're Zombie, Zombie 2, Zombie 3, Zombie 4. Yeah. So, uh, we'll start off... in Italy, it's Zombie with just an I at the end. Yeah. Whereas in America, it's Zombie with an IE at the end. So, we'll start off with the poll results. Um, We had a a whopping 92% in for the first film, which is fantastic. And the order that your votes have gone in are 1, 3, 4, and 2, which confuses the hell out of me. <laughs> um, but hey, the, the polls always do. I mean, you know, I, I, I guess 4 is just one of those films where I can't understand how anyone can enjoy it. But, you know, it's to their own. That's, that's your results. Um, I mean, our ranking, I'm pretty sure, will go in the order of when they're released. Uh, yeah. It, so it's it's definitely the first one's definitely the best then two and then three then four um i mean three's pretty bad but at least you can laugh at some of it you uh, can't laugh at four no. four's just straight up bad so the the whole this franchise comes from the success of dawn of the dead uh so obviously dawn of the dead was released in the 70s and it was really big in italy lucio Fulci wanted to just make a zombie film and the producers thought, do you know what? Dawn of the Dead's made a lot of money. Let's uh, cash in and let's uh, make this a sequel. So this is the same as what Alien 2 did. The first ever film we covered on the podcast, how they cashed in on the success of Alien and thought they'd try and trick people into thinking it's Alien 2. This does the same with Dawn of the Dead because, of course, it was called Zombie in Italy and this is Zombie 2. So starting off with the first film, it was released in 1979, directed by Lucio Fulci. Uh, and it was made on whatever Italian money was back then. Do you know what it would have been? Lira. Uh, 410 million of that. Which sounds a lot, but um, I think Lira was one of those currencies where it was all millions and thousands and such. And uh, I think I think I figured it out to be about... Oh, how much? Well, you, we discussed the fourth film. Oh, uh, we did, yeah. So 410 be even less yeah which, even less than which less. is so crazy less than a million it's crazy that this costs less to make than uh, the fourth film because this has so much going on and it's my it, it's tied with dawn of the dead as my favorite zombie film of all time it's just perfect to me i i have absolutely no complaints of it it's just it's aged gloriously it it just looks fantastic and it sounds fantastic. It's just really great filmmaking for Fulci. And, you know, Fulci is a horror legend. Uh, he, he's directed the likes of Don't Torture a Duckling, 
the Beyond, well, the whole Gates of Hell trilogy uh, with City of the Living Dead, House by the Cemetery. You know, he, he really is a, a god amongst horror directors, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a, a, a must-see horror director. Yeah. So there, there's many films um, in his filmography that are must-see horror films. And this is this is his best film, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would put this I mean the Beyond is a very close second, mm. but I, I would actually say this is his best film. Yeah. There's I mean obviously there's the big two in, in in Italy, let's face it, the big two that everyone knows of if they're vaguely familiar with horror and Italian horror especially. There's there's Dario Argento and there's Lucio Forci and they're both fantastic for two completely separate reasons. I think Forci's a little more I don't know, a little more serious, would Fulci? we say? Would, would you not? Argento's more serious. I don't know if serious is the word I'm looking for. There, there, there's, a, there's a noticeable difference between the two. I, I, would, I would class Fulci, a lot of Fulci's films under the... Um, I, I think I'm saying this right. Schlock? Yeah, Schlock, yeah. He is a lot more Schlock than Argento. Um, it, it's not as, um... Okay, I, I see we go. Argento goes for more realistic. Yeah, uh, well, Argento is a lot more stylish. Yeah. Um, whereas Fulci is about the horror yeah. and the gore. And that's not to say Argento's films aren't gory. Mm. Um, but Argento's films are very much about a style. Yeah. And about aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't feel like Fulci's films are so um, concerned with aesthetics. No. There's some, some wonderful scenes in, in uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters. Uh, the underwater photography mm. looks great. Yeah. It really does. Uh, well, when I say he's more serious, I'm thinking more like stuff like Don't Torture a Duckling. Which was probably it was a very, very serious film. Yeah. But it's more serious than a lot of what Argento did. Um, in some of its themes it touched on. Yeah, um, that, that is true. I mean... Um, and he takes his plots very seriously. I mean, these are some fucking ridiculous plots, but it, it feels like he's taking them very seriously. Like, the beyond gets very complex with its uh, with its plot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, for me, the, the real comparison uh, is that Fulci delves... A little deeper into fantasy, yeah, um, and does it more successfully than Argento did, yeah. uh, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Suspiria is about witches, um, but a a lot of Suspiria is is about, you know, um, Jessica Harper, Susie mm-hmm. Banyan, um, and you know about the style and aesthetic, um, rather than about the big, fantastical um, zombies eating, yeah. you know, coming up from the ground sort of thing. Um, I don't think Argento does that as well. No. But I'm sure we'll discuss that in more detail. Yeah. If you get any more detail than that in another episode sometime. <laughs> um, I would also, just, just, uh, just to clarify, I would probably put Mario Bava in that. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. In the, the, the Italian horror um, masters sort of category. That's true. That's true. Uh, so, 
trivia for zombie flesh eaters. A real shark was used for the infamous zombie versus a shark scene because of lack of budget. So, obviously, this is the one scene that this film is famous for, is a zombie fights a shark. Which could lead people to think that this film is just B-movie trash. That's laughable. Which is the complete opposite of what it is. Yeah, it, oh, it's pure B-movie. It is pure B-movie. Yeah. But you, you look at something like that, you think it's something trashy. You're like, yeah, oh, okay, this I is fucking it, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not... We're not going to Sharknado territory. No. No, but that that's the, that's one of the most infamous scenes from the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Haggerty, the big bold zombie, walked into CBGB's uh, in full makeup and costume whilst they're filming in New York and nobody noticed. <laughs> Which is a, a really fun fact. I mean, you know, the fact that CBGB's is a, is a very important part of pop culture history and, and so is Zombie Flesh Eaters in its own right and uh, I just like those little two things merging together yeah a lot of our favourite bands came from CBGB's yeah. didn't they uh, so uh, for anyone who doesn't know CBGB's was like a, an underground what, would you say underground punk I think it started and yeah. then got more mainstream yeah, so a punk uh, venue in uh, in New York yeah so artists like uh, Patti Smith uh, talking Heads, Television, The Ramones and Blondie all got their start at yeah. CBGB's, really. And so because may, many people going in there weren't exactly dressed normal, no one uh, no one uh, noticed this no. guy in full zombie <laughs> costume. Um, so the, the Zombie 2 name, as we mentioned, was decided by the studio without Fortune's permission um, to cash in on, on Zombie, a.k.a. Dawn of the Dead. And the New York scenes at the beginning and end were actually uh, written and filmed after Dawn of the Dead's Italy release for that cash-in. Yes, yeah. Um, it's something you find with... We've watched quite a few Italian horror films and sometimes they, they sort of... They try to Americanize it for a bigger audience, you know. Yeah. Um, any sort of filmmaker will say that your biggest audience is in America. Yeah. You know, look at the box offices. No one can deny it. So having those scenes in New York Americanizes the film. Having yeah. a star like Teaser Farrow, who's an American actress in the film, Americanizes it. it it's an Italian production, um, but... Sometimes it's shoehorned. Do you remember Absurd? Yes. Um, and how the whole the whole film was just was based around Super Bowl night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even though it was quite clearly an Italian film, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure not many people in Italy really care about the NFL. No. Um, so that felt shoehorned in, but again, to make it more accessible to an American audience. Yeah, I mean, and the things they added, you know, I mean, realistically, you could look at it as a Dawn of the Dead sequel prequel. I don't know. I suppose to a certain extent. It doesn't really... With it being zombies, it doesn't really matter. You've not got the characters from Dawn of the Dead, but, I mean, technically, there's a zombie apocalypse happening in both, so... Yeah, yeah, and they're in two diff- completely different places. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, the zombies look completely different, though. Yeah. I mean, they're two of the greatest zombie films of all time, so I have a way to make a great double bill. So. Yeah, yeah. And it leads to that wonderful scene in... in Zombie flesh eaters, the ending on the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that they put the New yeah, York definitely. scenes in. And, and the thing is, 
It's probably got more continuity with Dawn of the Dead than it has with the rest of the zombie flesh eaters films. Yeah. Because <laughs> let's face it, none of these films link up. No. None of them link up at all. all. So. But then really, you could say that about the. Um, the Living Dead trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. the. Um, George Romero's. Yeah, trilogy. yeah, definitely. There's nothing really that links the three together. No, no. No, that's true. Um, yeah, so. This film is also quite famous for being a video nasty. This is how I heard of it. I mean, obviously, I wasn't around when the you know the video nasty thing was a thing. Um, but but growing up, as I mentioned in previous episodes, my dad had a big DVD collection and and videotapes and whatnot. And I remember this being released, and it was a big deal. Um, he found it on DVD somewhere, and it, it was so hard to find and whatnot because it'd been banned for years, and it, it built up this reputation. And I watched it quite. When I was getting into horror and it had a lasting effect on me, I thought it was so scary. And I don't find zombie films scary, but this one really scared me. Um, because the zombies, as Chris mentioned, they don't look like other zombies in other films. They're, they're way more grotesque and detailed. And uh, I have actually got it as, uh, as a bit of trivia here that they were modelled to resemble the original voodoo legends of The Walking Dead. Uh, and in turn makes the horror so much better. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, they they actually look like decomposing bodies. Yeah. Not not. I don't think they're quite as decomposed as they should be, considering no. the age of the graves. Um, but y- you compare that to Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Where Dawn of the Dead really, it, they've just put on some, you know, um, bright blue makeup. To, yeah. To be fair. Well, which is funny because Dawn of the Dead works as a drama. Yeah. As well. It works as a film. I think if they did the same sort of thing in this, it would have been a little more forgettable. I think I the think fact so, that yeah. they went all out of the horror is what makes this stand out so much more. Yeah. Uh, and what, you know, what makes it such a favourite for me. I mean, I've, I've obviously got that nostalgia there um, with it as well. Uh, when did you watch it? I always remember the um, poster. Yeah. With the hand coming mm-hmm. out from the ground. Yeah. And and I'd never seen anything of it. Um, I think I saw the poster potentially on an old VHS, in, you know, at the shops, probably from a very uh, cut uh, VHS copy yeah. of it. Um, and that's all I remember. And then many, many years later, I, I just... I was like, oh, okay, it's about time I bought the DVD. Mm. I bought the DVD and watched it and thought, oh, actually, this is great. I, I'd watched um, The Beyond and City of the Living Dead um, quite a few years before I, I watched Zombie Flesh Eaters, to be fair. Relat- I'm relatively new to it. And I've, I've watched it a few times now, but I'm relatively new to it. I didn't I didn't really have that nostalgia attached to it. Yeah, this, this would have been my first Italian... Film. Yeah, my first Italian film I watched. Mm. Um, but it, there's, it's in the trivia that there were bath bags provided for, for movie goes because of high violence. And that is completely understandable for when it was released. Because, I mean, Dawn of the Dead was gory, but this is fucking next level. Like, the practical effects in this are just out of this world. Even to this day. Yeah, yeah. Dawn of the Dead, it was a different kind of... The kills were a different kind of yeah, kill. Yeah. Um, I, I found these ones a little more gritty. Yeah, and the fact that it was released mainstream as well. Because don't forget, I mean, this is... 
This is going into the video nasty era, isn't it? This is really right at the beginning, maybe even before it started getting going. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it was originally passed by the BBFC with uh, 1 minute and 46 seconds cut uh, with an X rating, but then it was banned in 1984 as the video nasty uh, phase got going and films like Evil Dead, uh, Driller Killer, you know, all started getting banned and uh, confiscated. Uh, which is a, another story for another episode. Uh, I'd love to do a full episode on video. That would be interesting to do. Probably it, have to be two episodes. Yeah, it was re-rated in 1992, and then again in 1999, and then finally released uncut in 2005. Mm. So it took it all the way until then. I think it's a similar story with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. To be honest, I think I think there's a lot of films where um, it's slightly. Uh, more uncut. Yeah. I don't know what words. I think the is. main scene that would have been cut is the famous eye scene, which we'll get to when we get to it in a synopsis. Yeah. Um, and last bit of trivia, the script writer, uh, Dardano Sacchetti, Sacchetti, apologies if I'm pronouncing that wrong, uh, he removed his name because his dad died during production. It's a bit of sad news to end it on. It's a sad trivia, should I say. So, the plot for the film is strangers searching for a young woman's missing father arrive at a tropical island where a doctor desperately seeks the course and cure of a recent, well, my handwriting's terrible, recent epidemic of the undead. So, synopsis, I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. We start with a zombie being shot and we're told the boat can leave now, tell the crew. We get the title card and the opening credits and the fantastic theme music, which I know you're a fan of. Oh yeah, massively. Didn't yeah, you have no. a story about the theme music, actually? Well, no, it was kind of. Um, so where I went to university, the uh, library was 24-7, and I always used to stay there quite late. Uh, and I was walking home once, and uh, there's just just the music came on as I was sort of walking home. I, I'd had it on my, my... I'm embarrassed to say it, my iPod. Uh, <laughs> yes, you heard that right, not iPhone, iPod. Uh, back in the day and I had the song on there and it started playing and then I just re- sort of realised where I was and kind of shat myself that classes as nostalgia yeah yeah a little bit yeah so I don't we, really watch the film by then though. we were introduced to some New York police officers who were investigating an abandoned boat the boat that was mentioned at the beginning uh, a bold zombie comes out and bites one of them and gets shot and we're introduced to Anne who is speaking to detectives investigating the boat and she reverses her father's boat and he's gone missing. You get an autopsy on the cop and the corpse begins to move. And Anne investigates her father's boat at night time. And there's a detective there, not a detective, a reporter there called Peter. And he is investigating as well. And Anne is played by uh, Tisa Farrow, isn't she? Yes, yeah, Tisa And what else Farrow. was she in? So she was in um, that film that I always struggle to... Anthropophagus. Anthropophagus. Anthropo- 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 what did you just call me? <laughs> Anthropophagus. Anthropo- also known as Devil Hunter. No, not the Devil Grim Hunter. Reaper. The Grim Reaper. Also known as the Grim Reaper. Beast Hunter. Uh, oh, a thousand so, different names. So many. Um, essentially, it's the film where the pregnant woman's fetus gets ripped out and eaten. Great film. Check it out. It um, is, <laughs> it's alright, actually. Uh, um, it's, it's very 
slow paced at times. Yeah. But it's an all right film. So she she was uh, um, the star of, of that film. Yeah. But she also, you know, Mia Farrow's sister. Mm-hmm. So from the Farrow sort of acting family. And Peter is, of course, played by Ian McCullough, who is, I believe she has the same name as the lead singer of Ecker and the Burning Man, but it's not the same person. Um, but he's an Italian, would you say he's an Italian acting legend? No, no, no. so he's British. No, oh, no, no, but he was in a lot of Italian films. Oh, he was, yeah, so yeah. he was in like Contamination. Yeah. He, he, there was the big three, there was this, I think it was Cannibal Apocalypse and Contamination that he was in. No, 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 no. Was it not Cannibal Apocalypse? It was, um, oh my God, we, I actually hated it. Doctor. Oh, The Island of Death. It was something like no Island of Death. No, that's a different film that I hated. Oh. Uh, <laughs> this is like uh, the maniacal doctor or something. Oh, do you know what? One thing about Italian horror films from this period is they had um a thousand different names. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. So I know it as something, and someone else will know it as something else. Um, Zombie Holocaust. Was he in Zombie Holocaust? He was. Oh, okay. Dr. Butcher, MD, oh. as it's called. And I really disliked it. Yeah, we watched that together, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wasn't the best. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. So yes, Ian McCullough and Teaser Farrow are our main characters. Uh, Anne finds a letter revealing her father is on an island working on a... Uh, looking into a disease. So Peter and Anne, they want to go to this island and... Look further into this, and they meet up with Susan Barrett and Brian Hall. We know his name's Brian Hall because he says, you're talking to Brian Hall. He does say his own name quite a few times. So He doesn't look like a Brian Hall, though. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, he tells them that the, the island of Matu is where they want to go, and he says uh, that it is cursed and you shouldn't go there, but I'll take you anyway. And he, he Do takes they offer him money? I'm not even sure why he agrees to go. They just get into conversation and he agrees. Um, we're introduced to Dr. Maynard and Mrs. Maynard, his wife. Uh, they can't reach anyone outside of the island. They're on the island of two themselves. So Dr. Maynard is, uh, um, oh my God, played by, is it Richard Johnson? I believe so. So he was the doctor from The Haunting, a film we've covered previously. Yes, previous star of the podcast. And uh, so they're having a, a bit of a domestic. She wants to leave. He wants to stay and continue his investigations. Meanwhile, Susan goes for a swim in just her knickers and some scuba gear. And, uh, really you know, did. fashion icon. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we can't post a picture of it on Instagram and show you because we'll get it taken down. So Is that true? I believe so. I, I mean, I, so. I, I censored a picture once, but... Okay, we might be able to do that. I'm not sure if you're... Are you allowed? We'll see what we can do. Can't promise anything. Susan spots a shark and the, she warns everyone on the boat about it and uh, and Brian Hall tries shooting the shark which really pisses the shark off and he gives the boat a bit of a bump. And then she goes back under instead of going back on the boat as yeah. you do and she's then attacked by a zombie so she isn't having a lucky day and uh, then the zombie and the shark have a scrap as we mentioned earlier. In a, a really great scene. It, it, it looks so much better than it has any right scene. to look. It, it, for nineteen seventy nine, the underwater photography looks fantastic. Yeah, I know that we've we've obviously watched 
uh, a Blu-ray version that's been cleaned up. Why not? Yeah, this is this is what's weird for me is watching this on Blu-ray. I mean, we, we've gone from I went from watching it on its DVD release, and back then, oh my god, this film was so gritty, so bitty. It, it looked like a proper grindhouse film from the seventies. It looked incredible. I, I mean, and now I can appreciate it for different reasons. I mean, you know, now we've gone from Blu-ray to Blu-ray upscale to four K, and it just looks beautiful. It just looks amazing. Um, but I don't think you can beat the old grainy version. No. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's... Which is the same with a lot of films. Yeah. Same lot of, the only film that's done it really well is Texas Chainsaw Massive because the Blu-ray release of that still looks grainy, but it still looks... You can tell it's been updated. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to stop going about transfers because it'll be here for a very long time. So, uh, after... <laughs> Trust him when he says that. So... Mrs. Maynard's home, home on her own. And one of the things I really like about these films, um, uh, not looking at you, Zombie Flesh Eaters 4, uh, is how zombies are like fucking slasher villains. Like, they, they spot the victims and they attack them. Like, they don't, they don't just want their brains. It's Yeah. Like, yeah, this scene true. now is... Mrs. Maynard, she's at home, she's in a shower, and it looks like a scene out of a slasher film. We see the zombie approaching from the zombie's point of view... He gets into the to the house and she shuts the door on him and he drags her through the door and drags her eye towards a spike and I always used to think it's going to cut away last minute but you get to see every fucking detail of the spike going through her fake eye and it doesn't look fake. It looks incredible. Yeah. I don't know. I, the, the practical effects team behind this are geniuses because the way they've done this it looks amazing it looks like it pierces her eye it's fucking disgusting yeah it's just it's iconic it really is yeah it is really the standout kill of the film and, and the fact is that's done by a zombie that's what makes the zombie so scary in this yeah yeah it, it's something a little different yeah than it does is that like you said they, they act like a slasher film killer mm. um a, a lot of them there's some inconsistencies throughout the series. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But sometimes they act, you know, with great stealth, mm. you know, and they're hiding and rather than just a big horde of zombies that come across, you know, come along and bombard um, the people. Yeah. So uh, the boat's broken. Thanks to that damn shark. Dr. Maynard meets everybody and we find out that Anne's dad is actually dead and was the zombie from the start of the film that comes to life and gets shot immediately as the film starts. So Peter and Brian and Susan find uh, they go back to the Maynard residence and find Mrs. Maynard being eaten. Uh, They drive away and uh, they crash the car. I, I don't think they needed to crash the car. I don't, it didn't seem necessary. But um, they crashed the car. Um, well, no one deliberately crashes the car. It, it kind of looked like it did, though. <laughs> uh, so the doctor, Dr. Maynard, is talking to Lucas. Um, who? What was Lucas' involvement with it all? I don't sure. He's just on the island. Um, he yeah. warns him, when the earth spits out the living, the dead suck the blood of uh, the dead come back and suck the blood and so on. It's basically a spin on the tagline for Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, so it's that idea that we've um, completely ruined 
the play. It's all our fault. Yeah. You know, and we get that from a lot of zombie films. Um, but the idea that uh, the earth is spitting out the dead because um, and as like a punishment. Yeah. You know, when there's no more room in hell, you know, too many people mm-hmm. from earth have gone to hell. They're spitting them back out. Yeah. You know, it, it's always seen as a punishment. So it tends to be either that style mm-hmm. of uh, reasoning behind the zombies or it's um, science gone wrong. Yeah. and uh, Which, this, again, is our fault. <laughs> at this stage, everything goes crazy. Zombies start coming out of the ground. They grab uh, Peter and Anne as they're having a kiss. Zombies kill Susan. Uh, Peter kills a zombie. They continue to rise everywhere. Everyone barricades themselves in a, in the hospital. Uh, Dr. Maynard's bitten. Brian shoots some zombies. Um, Nurse Clara, who is Dr. Maynard's sister, she's bitten. Uh, Peter, Anne and Brian Hall fight back when the zombies break in. Brian Hall is bitten by Susan. Peter shoots her. The hospital burns down and Peter, Anne and Brian Hall escape the island on the boat. Brian Hall dies and the zombies are taking over New York City. Yeah, one thing that's consistent uh, throughout the series, but very evident in this one, and uh, it does it does make me laugh, is how shallow these graves are. Yeah. Like, you know, the term is six feet under, mm-hmm. but these guys are like six inches under. They All they have to do is sit up and they're like... <laughs> they're out on the ground it's um it, it was quite funny so uh, and and they all every single film includes people barricading themselves somewhere oh yeah but that's zombie 101 yeah i suppose on, Gary. i suppose it's, it's, just, it's very yeah, but it's very similar because there's always like a church that looks like a hospital as well yeah but um it's true actually so but, what's you your know. highlight of zombie flesh eaters my did you want my, my actual highlight and i know this is gonna sound weird um, but I think my highlight is that soundtrack. I think it's got an absolutely fantastic yeah, it is soundtrack. A standout. I love that soundtrack. Uh, what about in form, in, in uh, terms of kills? In terms of kills... I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's the obvious. It's, it's got to be yeah, the it, It's the Doctor's Wife. Um, yeah, for me, it has to be the Doctor's Wife. That's a great kill. But uh, again, you know, can't recommend this film enough. The imagery... It was even fucking referenced in Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. It's, it's had a massive impact on pop culture. Um, chances are, if you're a horror fan, you've heard of it. Even if you don't know this is the film that you know of. Just the imagery of it alone it is very popular amongst horror fans. Yeah, and if you're interested in watching any Lucio Fulci film, I would say start with this. Yeah. Because it's quintessential yeah. Lucio Fulci. Um, like many horror directors... You know, Fulci has his highs and his lows. Yeah. Uh, within within his filmography, let's be honest here, um, this is the the high. Yeah. You know, and this is where you should start if you're watching anything Fulci. So next up, we have Zombie Flesh Eaters Two, also known as Zombie Free, without an E, and uh, with an E in America. Released in 1988, directed again by Lucio Fulci. However, uncredited directors uh, Claudio Fragasso and Bruno Mattei were also involved. 
Yes. On an unknown budget. I could not find the budget for this or the third film anywhere. And I also couldn't find out how many, how much any of these made. I, I don't know if they were successful. I mean, I kind of think the first film would be with the bath bag gimmicks and the notoriety behind it. My assumption is the first one would have been successful. Yeah, but the rest of four was certainly not successful. This sequel was made... Best part of ten years later. It was what eight years later. Well, this is what's strange. This was made in nineteen eighty eight, but part four was made in nineteen eighty seven, released in nineteen eighty eight as well. Don't even get us started. We'll get to that when we get to it. But it's a very weird one. Um, I think it's a case of just slapping a title on to sell the film because oh, no one was interested in absolutely. it. Cause it's bullshit. Absolutely. But Zombie Flesh Eaters Two is actually another good film to a certain extent. This is a. Guilty pleasure of This mine. is a trash to piece. Some people don't like it. I do like it. Well, it came last in our poll, didn't it? It came last in our poll. It came last in our um, poll. I actually really enjoy it. Two people voted for it. Yeah. Which is shocking. I, I, I can't believe people would think three and four would be better. But, uh, you know. This is a fun, it's a fun film. Yeah, um, so... <laughs> As the first film was known for its eye scene and the shark, this one is known for a flying skull. The original script didn't include the flying skull, but Fulci added it and went down on record saying he was very proud of it and it was the best thing about the film. He's not wrong. So I believe (laughs) that Fulci started making this film. Yeah, so... He wasn't very well. Yeah. Can you explain? His cut three of, directors, essentially. Well, his cut of the film was only 70 minutes. Uh, he had to stop production because he had a stroke. And Fragasso and Matai, uh, they took over. They cut it to 50 minutes and they added 40 minutes to it. Now, Claudio uh, Fragasso is famous for directing Trash the Piece Gold, Troll 2. <laughs> and his wife... Um, his wife, Rosella uh, Drudy, I believe is how you pronounce her surname, she developed most of the script, but was uncredited. And uh, he got all the credit for it. Uh, and he, he, by all accounts, it doesn't sound like he's the nicest guy um, with what he did with the script. Because you got Lord Cheer Fortune here, and he wants to make his, his sequel to Zombie Flesh Eaters, right? But then you've got Fragasso. I think he had a different idea. I think he just wanted to make a Fragasso film. And you can tell from all the green involved in this. Uh, yeah. It's very much Troll 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fragasso, um, unfortunately, thought the script was dreadful. Um, producers wouldn't let him change it. But he did modify it with his daughter, shot his version. And uh, Fragasso called it a simplified version and was not happy. Uh and you can tell because they had they couldn't get the main actors back when they took over. So you've got one part of the film with these characters where it's quite consistent, but then you've got these other subplots that you can tell were just joined on at the last minute. Yeah. Um, but Bruno Matai, he, he's quite infamous himself amongst trash cinema. Um, he made Terminator 2, Shocking Dark, which again is an Italian cash-in on Terminator. It's not actually Terminator 2. <laughs> he also made Cruel Jaws, which was a cra- <laughs> which was a cash-in on Jaws 4. The Revenge. Wait, you cashed, somebody cashed in on Jaws 4? Yeah. And made Jaws 5, Cruel Jaws. Oh, shit. 
Uh, he also made Rats. He Night did. Terror. Um, there's a few films. It, it's all going to be trashy, really bottom of the barrel stuff. Let Let's be honest here. Mm. Um, with Italian horror, it's it's either you know fantastic, artsy and fantastic, artsy or trash. and fantastic, or, or you know B movie schlocky goodness. Yeah. Or it's just shit. I think Italian horror really, there's a real divide. When I look through all the ones that I've watched, I've either given it, you know, um, five stars or I've given it yeah. one star. <laughs> it's, 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 it's one of those, as I said, I, I do feel a bit sorry for Fortune on this one because I think the intention was there to make a proper sequel to Zombie Flesh Eaters. And, and people in the UK, um, you know, years after, kept demanding a proper Zombie Flesh Eaters sequel and uh, Fortune intended to make one, sadly, before he passed away. Um, but <laughs> I love how he got to the point where... <laughs> He was just like, fuck it, I'm going to film a flying skull coming out of a fridge. <laughs> <laughs> and he was working with the director of Troll too. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's easy to see how it ended up being a film that it is. The film's poster is actually an edited version of uh, the poster of a Force 5. Uh, another Italian film. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's, that's pretty much it for the... Uh, for the trivia for this one, uh, the plot is when a terrorist body infected with a stolen chemical is cremated by the US military, a virus is unintentionally released into the atmosphere over a small island. Um, going through it, what happens, uh, we start with some dialogue saying, I'm ready, give me death one. Yeah, I say so that because later on it's pronounced as death one. Death one. Um... So this this is um, playing into what I said earlier, where it's either uh, the dead coming back to life as a punishment because hell is is full, or it's biological warfare or yeah. people playing with uh, nature and the science of nature and it all going wrong. Yeah. So this is a. a, a a doctor that we're going to see throughout the rest of the film. I've got him down as various things here because he was referred to as doctor, professor and scientist. They couldn't keep to one <laughs> yeah. thing. Uh, uh. So he injects this corpse, this very green looking corpse with death one and it brings him back to life. He mutates and breaks out of the glass and professor, doctor, scientist no longer wants to work on death one. We get the opening credits and we get some soldiers coming to collect death one. Stop. <laughs> I'm refusing to say it as anything else. That's what it's, that's how it's pronounced. I don't want to be rude to the director of Troll 2. Um, <laughs> someone who's been very rude to the horror genre. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the, the music in this one's good as well. I like the soundtrack to this I film. love the soundtrack in this as well. Um, so some guy steals death one. Uh, his hand is shot, and it leaks out onto his hand, and he goes to a hotel that has no rooms available until he offers them money. Then they have rooms available. I know, That's yeah. the idea. It's <laughs> kind of how these things work. He gets them like, sorry, we have no space here. And he's like, well, just change your mind. And he puts some money out. It's not a lot of money. And like, oh, we do have something available. That zombie at the beginning, the yeah. one he initially brings back to life. Mm-hmm. We never see that zombie again. We never see him again. We? No. Okay. There we are. And that's the kind of inconsistencies 
throughout <laughs> the film. You can tell this has been directed by three different people. This is this, this is more consistent than the third film. Let's say that. Oh my god! Yeah. Um. So, the the professor finds out the thief has been infected, and the military go looking for him, and uh, leads him to the hotel. The thief cuts his own hand off. The towel lady gets death by her face being shoved into a mirror. He literally rubs her nose up against the mirror and she dies. (laughs) And the the dubbing in this film is out of this world. It is my favourite thing about it by far. It it is horrendous. So this film was shot in the Philippines. And I love the setting for this film. Oh yeah, yeah. Really gorgeous scenery. Um, The the first film, uh, by the way, was filmed in uh in new york and in an in, in italian studio but also in um uh santa domingo in the dominican republic mm. so both films have some really gorgeous settings <laughs> you say both films <laughs> not three and four then <laughs> uh, no i'll answer that for you no they don't case them as much as these two but i really like the setting <laughs> but my my problem with this probably the biggest problem is that it's filmed in the Philippines. Almost all the extras yeah. are Filipino. Mm-hmm. Yet the story only um, is only about white people. Yeah, and they all have and American accents. everybody has an American accent in and this film. The, the voice actors, I, I, I've always loved to see who, who these people are who are voicing these characters. I mean, we've noticed some similarities, haven't we, with some of them? The, yeah, yeah. Um, but they're reading from a script from people who are not American trying to uh, imagine what Americans talk like and it's <laughs> yeah. very evident. So we get this badly dubbed waiter. He's been infected um, because he cut his hand on a piece of glass uh, in the same room as the thief. Uh, the military evacuate the hotel. They find the towel lady pinned to the door with a knife and they find the thief dead. So, the military order the death of everybody at the hotel. They cremate the thief. And the doctor, his assistant, uh, doctor, professor, uh, scientist guy, and his assistant are fuming about the cremation. And Blue Heart Radio talks pollution and plays bangers. Yeah, so throughout the film we get this DJ, don't we? Yeah. Um, It's very much trying to be the fog. Yeah, but he talks a lot about pollution. Yeah. And how we're ruining the earth. Um, so really shoehorning that idea into the film. <laughs> like, really shoehorning yeah. it. He, like, he, that's all he goes on about for the whole film. It's true. We get, we are introduced to some soldiers, and one of the, and these are going to be our main characters now, and one of the songs that Blue Heart Radio are playing is, is so good that it's getting one of the soldiers really horny, apparently. Yeah. So this song makes me horny. Uh, it talks about tits, and they spot a bunch of girls in a van, and they call them the girls of their dreams. So throughout the rest of this, these main characters will be known as dream girls. Dream girls. Uh, so <laughs> there's one main dream girl, isn't it? There so, is one main dream girl. So the girls ask her to give um, the the guys. So they're hanging out the window uh, to give them the soldiers her special. Yeah. Which really just revolves in with her. Playing with her blouse. For yeah. Five. She said, ooh. Oh. Yeah. And you think, you know, come on, it's a horror film. <laughs> it's Italian. From the 80s. She's going to take a top off. Yeah. But she doesn't, she just sort of plays just with plays her burns for, for ages, going, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, the Dream Girls are on the way to somewhere. So are the soldiers. They're, they're floating between cars. They keep shouting about them being the girls of their dreams. Uh, and then we get another car uh, where there's this guy and his, his girlfriend. And uh, he's really pissed off about things being eco-friendly. And his girlfriend thinks that he just doesn't want her company because of this. They find some dead birds in the road. One of them attacks the guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the dream girls are also attacked by birds. The soldiers help him out. Um, Patricia is the girl with, with the boyfriend who got attacked by the birds. They go to a gas station for help. Patricia gets attacked by zombies and blows up the gas station. <laughs> Massive explosion. She drives away. <laughs> Um, the doctor finds out about these random acts of violence and reveals uh, there is a cure being worked on in the process. Um, the soldiers take the dream girls to uh, the overgrown Sweet River Resort Motel. And this is where you know it's from the director of Troll 2. There are plants everywhere. And if you've seen Troll 2, you'll know what the link is between the two. There's just plants everywhere. It's green lighting. The blood in this film's green. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were a little confused as to uh, why why there was so much plant overgrown. Yeah, it, it didn't make the, any this sense. This is the hotel from the beginning. Yeah, it, it hasn't been that long. It's been a, a day at the most. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> someone's bleeding. <laughs> one of the characters is bleeding. I didn't get right down who it was, and one character was like, "Blood! It's so dark." It, no, it's bright green. Um, so there's an order being sent out for everyone in the contamination area to be killed. Uh, one dream girl and one soldier go looking for help and their jeep breaks down. So the dream girl goes looking for some water to get the car started again. Uh, the zombie pushes her out of a window and she loses her leg in the, her legs in the water. Uh, the soldier gets attacked by her when she comes back to life. And he does some great action scenes with these zombies, having a fight with them. And Blue Heart Radio announces the outbreak. And uh, the soldier, from a second ago, flags down Patricia for a lift. And uh, one of the dream girls and her boyfriend goes to see if there's any food. And her boyfriend opens up the fridge and out comes the fucking head. Yeah. It, it is literally just a zombie head flying out of the fridge and into this guy's face and kills him. It bites him, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's an amazing scene. It is. It, it really is something else. <laughs> it's completely out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. He gets killed. Um, Patricia, uh, she he, she's with... Uh, who is she with in this scene that says to her... Uh, it's the soldier. Sorry, sorry. It's the soldier she's with. He says, I'm feeling better, Patricia. But I'm thirsty for your blood. No, it's a boyfriend. Was it a boyfriend? Yeah, it's a boyfriend. Oh, it's a boyfriend. It's a boyfriend. The one who got the eco-hating by the, boyfriend. By the bird. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's thirsty for her blood. This is a little cheesy. It's sort of hide in his face. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, Patricia, I'm so thirsty. And then for your blood. So I don't know how suddenly these zombies can talk. Uh, very inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, the zombies can talk in this film. Yeah, uh, but but not all of them can talk. And then some of them, and this is throughout. So from now on in the series, um, zombie flesh eaters two, three, and four. Some zombies can run. Some of them can't <laughs> run. Um, some of them can talk. They can talk. Some of them can't yeah. talk. Um, yeah, very inconsistent <laughs> with zombie folklore. So. <laughs> 
Um, she fights. Uh, they they have a fight with uh, with Patricia's boyfriend. Uh, the soldier gets eaten, and Patricia's cornered and jumps off a bridge. So the Dream Girls, uh, except Nancy, who is our lead girl, they're all zombies now. And uh, after this, a zombie jumps out of a window. Patricia finds a motel. Um, why did a zombie jump out the window? What the fuck? <laughs> Do you remember the scene? Jump, zombie jumped out. Didn't they throw her out the window? They may have thrown her out the window. Um, they all start barricading the motel. And uh, the zombies break through. They all fight them off. And then they escape. One of the soldiers fights a bunch of zombies on his own. And we find out this is Roger. Because their names aren't frequent in this. I didn't know no. they were Kenny and Roger until it got later on in the film. Yeah, and I only remember that because I was like, oh, Kenny Rogers. Yeah, they escape via canoe. <laughs> Blue Heart um, provides outbreak summary and announces everything's getting under control now and have got a vaccine. So the canoe escapees are confronted by the army. One of them is shot and the other four escape. Uh, the doctor from the start believes that the virus will spread again. The army believes it's all solved and there's nothing to worry about. Uh, Patricia, Nancy and the soldiers are on the run. Uh, Patricia and Nancy find a pregnant lady. Yeah, they end up in a hospital. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as, they, as, they, as they normally do in the Yeah. Um, so they find a pregnant lady. Uh, the soldiers fight the army who show up, but they... Uh, <laughs> They don't have to do much because the army all just stand there and just get shut down. Oh, yeah. They don't even try fighting back. Um, <laughs> but it's at this stage where these films start turning into action films. Yes. And they do, like, big kicks and slow-mo action scenes. So this, for me, is absolutely Bruno Mattei. Yeah. Um, this is pure action film rather than horror film. Yeah. Um, and, yeah... Big, so, big, the big muscly guys with guns. Yeah, pretty much. And, and in the next film, even more so. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they, they kill the, the army. Nancy is, uh, is killed by a zombie who feeds her head to the zombie baby that bursts out of the pregnant woman's stomach. But it's stomach. not a zombie baby. I don't big. know. It looks like a... It looks like a... Uh, just a hand. Yeah. It's just a big... It's just like a big hand. hand. So this woman's giving birth. To she's, a, she's alone. And the the zombie grabs Nancy's head, holds it above the woman's belly. So the, the, the woman's sort of got a little bit of the, the zombie scabs on her face, for want of a better yeah. word. And then just this adult hand just pops out of this pregnant woman's belly <laughs> and just starts clawing at her face. Yeah. And that's the end of Nancy. Uh, Patricia is attacked by zombie Glenn uh, and kills him. And after this, Kenny uses a grenade to distract zombies. Um, he blows something up and they all run away. Roger dies. Uh, Roger is uh, shot in a very... Uh, is it? I haven't seen the film, but I know the imagery. Uh, is it Platoon? Uh, the slow motion shooting? Yeah, so, so he... He's like, so they're getting on the helicopter. Is this when they're getting in the yeah, helicopter? Yeah, yeah. So he jumps on and grabs hold of the helicopter. Um, stealth zombies who are hiding in, uh, into like, uh, what do you call it? Hay? Yeah. Is it hay? Yeah. Like hiding in uh, big mold, uh, mounds of hay. 
suddenly jump out and, and uh, pull him from the helicopter. He's wrestling with them. <laughs> and I mean, he's wrestling with them for at least five minutes. Yeah. Doesn't manage to get bit at all or anything no. on him. Manages to kill them all or, or get away from them. And then, yeah, very reminiscent of... I think he was going for Platoon... I think it was also going for Night of Living Dead as well. So the end of Night of Living Dead mixed with the crazies as well. So this is slow-mo and they think that he's a zombie, uh, which I don't blame them for. I mean, he was wrestling with them for a very long time uh, and he gets shot. And Kenny and Patricia escape on the helicopter and it's revealed that the Blue Heart Radio DJ is a zombie. And he says the new world and the new cycle has begun. And dedicates a song to the undead. <laughs> and that zombie fleshy is two. And what is your highlight of that film? My highlight of the film is the... Hmm, flying head out of the fridge. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly a highlight. Mine would be the... The, the dub in because it just keeps things consistently entertaining throughout even when nothing's happening and I just I love the aesthetics of the the Philippines yeah it, it's uh, it, it looks great it was the a little great. different I thought yeah um favourite kill uh um, favourite kill would I don't know it would probably be <laughs> pregnant lady <laughs> I was gonna say the, the baby hand um the, the zombie favorite. head itself is the fun part yeah. rather than the kill. It's just a bite. Um, but, you know, the pregnant hand, adult hand coming out the the, yeah. the belly. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I'd recommend checking this one out as well, for sure. I would. I, I really enjoyed it for what it was. It was fun. It was action-packed. Yes. Um, yeah, it was a bit dumb and inconsistent. It's trashy, for sure. Yeah, but I, I, I quite liked it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Guilty pleasure, I'd call it. So, this is where you can tell that Lucio Fulci stops having any sort of involvement with this franchise. Before we move on, though, can we just mention the fact that that was obviously um, Fragasso who directed it. And I'm pretty sure... The two characters that didn't have girlfriends that were with the dream girls were meant to be the gay characters in Troll 2. They had girlfriends. Did they have girlfriends? They had girlfriends. They came across Which as was, very... We know, because at the, uh, when they were on the bus, they were like, oh, I hope there's some uh, hot honeys around, because <laughs> I haven't seen any around here. But you know what I'm on about from Troll 2, don't you? The guys in the van... They look exactly the same. He looks like the old my god guy, the guy with glasses from yeah, Zombie Flesh Eaters yeah, too. Yeah, they yeah. look exactly alike. Yeah. I don't know if that's just uh, a Fragasso thing, but not in this film because this is a man's film. This is a straight man, testosterone fueled action movie with voodoo. Oh god, <laughs> this is a stupid film. So Zombie Flesh Eaters Free, also known as Zombie Four After Death, released in nineteen eighty nine. Again, directed by uh, Claudio Fragasso. Unknown budget. And this was just Claudio Fragasso now, wasn't it? This was just him. Just and him. you can tell. Yes. It was... Uh, the, the trivia for this film is some of my favourite. There's not a lot of it. Really filmed in 1988. Oh, bloody hell. Interesting. <laughs> 
The singer of the theme song, uh, which is amazing, by the way, the best thing about this film, uh, Maurizio Currentola, he went on to join tribute bands for Led Zeppelin and Whitesnake. And it was shot back to back with Strike Commando 2. Nice. And that's the only thing the internet wants to tell us about this film. <laughs> the plot is a that's woman... All I wish to know. A woman goes back to the island where her parents are killed... They had been working on a cure for cancer and accidentally raised the dead. Okay, that is a fucking simplified version. Yeah, I might need your help with this because this is fucking bullshit, this film. I don't know what was going on, but I'll give it a go. Um, we start off with a voiceover speech talking about conquering death itself. And we get the theme song uh, with some sliding opening titles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not a good look. We get a voodoo ritual. And we get a gang of... <laughs> so we get... <laughs> we get very, st- very stereotypical black people doing voodoo. And we get a gang of white people <laughs> who turn up with torches and guns. And uh, we see some CGI lights fly into the voodoo lady's mouth. But when I say that the that this gang, this, this white gang's got their guns and everything, I mean a proper, like, army guns... They, they look like the stereotypical backwards uh, hillbilly. Yeah, and they're, they're meant to be scientists. They're meant to be... Curing cancer. <laughs> scientists curing cancer. Really sophisticated people. They talk like sophisticated people. And these guns look so out of place in their hands. Yeah. Um, oh, just to mention, it's only the men that have guns. Only the men's have guns in all of these films. In all of these films. And it's something I've, I've pinpointed I, to, to Gary many times. Is that on no occasion, even in these two more action-led <laughs> films, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, the second and third films, m- way more action-led, at no point does a woman hold a gun. No. No, Patricia had to do all of her fighting with her hands. Oh, my God. One. And Patricia and Nancy, they were left with uh, a shovel as a weapon. <laughs> and then the two soldier guys kept their guns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No woman is allowed to touch a gun in these films. No, no grenades, no grenades, no grenades. Because grenades are a thing in this as well. Uh, again, <laughs> so uh, the gang of torches they show up, um, and uh, before this, the voodoo man, his voodoo wife, is taken underground uh, into hell. I, I suppose the torch and guns gang confront voodoo dad uh, about the epidemic that's broke out. And uh, the this this gang of, of white people with guns, uh, I, I just want to emphasise that before I tell you what happens next. They say, we came here in peace, we didn't want trouble. Whilst carrying guns. Um, <laughs> apparently Voodoo Daughter had cancer and uh, the gang leaders couldn't save her because they're scientists, uh, real high-end people. And uh, they shoot down uh, Voodoo Dad Voodoo wife jumps up out of the grave and starts killing people. And the, the only reason I can't refer to them by their actual names is because we don't find out their actual names. No. Because this was added on later to bulk the film up. Yeah. And it is completely inconsistent with the rest yeah. of the film. Uh-huh. So... And it's actually kind of really iffy. It, it, it seems a little racist the, to me. The, yeah. The whole idea of um, these white saviours yeah. coming in to cure the kid of cancer and it hasn't worked out so of course you know um the afro-caribbean 
characters mm-hmm. are into voodoo yeah. and they're going to put a curse on the place. Yeah, and they've as... accidentally started a, a zombie epidemic. Yeah. Um, really iffy. Yeah, so voodoo wife starts killing people and uh, the two main gang leaders somehow find their daughter out of nowhere. Um, we don't know where this... Because the child's, what, like six? Yeah. We yeah. don't know where she's been she just hiding. She appears out of nowhere. She does. Um, they run away with her. The rest of the gang are killed. The dad is killed. The mother uh, tells the child to run away on her own for some reason. Turns to a zombie and says, Bastard! And fights him. And she is killed. And all the zombies in this film have an outfit of choice. Uh, they wear a hood. Yeah. Uh, a black cloak. And it looks fucking stupid. And uh, the next minute, we get the theme song again, and we get these 80s stereotypes on boats with absolutely no indication that we've had a jump in time. It's the same location. Yeah. It's like it's just the next scene. Yeah. There's a blonde girl on the boat, and she can sense something strange is going on. And we assume that she's the girl from the beginning because they're both blonde yeah and no one else is blonde <laughs> and she she had dreams uh of zombies taking over that island apparently she did. uh <laughs> so the the question i have to ask is number one how are these dreams how can she not remember what happened at the beginning this was the death of your parents exactly and I know she was six, I understand that. But, you know, come on, mate. You know, you should have known this This happened. Number two, how the fuck did she get off the island? Yeah, it, it doesn't doesn't make any... Doesn't explain there's there's any no of explanation. It doesn't explain any of it. Um, there are people already on the island. Uh, David, Chuck and Valerie. Chuck is played by a gay porn star. Yes, Jeff Stryker in uh, one of his, uh, I say, legit roles. Uh, one of his few legit roles. <laughs> yeah, and we know he's we know he's uh, some form of uh, of a porn star or sexual icon because he has this big meaty chest out throughout the whole entire he film. The whole film. <laughs> <laughs> so big meaty chest. It's it's a weird relationship here. I kind of got a sugar daddy vibe going on between him and uh, David. I thought that David was the dad, and then. Um, was it in Valerie? Yeah, which we find out later on isn't the case. Valerie and Chuck are brother and sister. Chuck really hates Valerie. Um, yeah, she... I thought they were squabbling like siblings. They, they give voodoo exposition. Somehow they know everything that happened within the first five minutes of the film. They do. They know every single detail of what happened. And uh, Valerie's not into it. You know, she thinks they shouldn't be messing with it. And Chuck tells her, we're scientists. It's what we do. If that bores you, go to hell. And, uh, yeah, and uh, in the next scene, the uh, the blonde girl on the boat thinks that if they go into the jungle, they'll never get out alive. And Tommy, who uh, is wearing a jacket, spots a zombie and runs after it. Why? We have no fucking idea. No. Runs after it and then starts beating it up. Yeah. Like... There's Absolutely nothing no indicating reason. that he's a zombie. No. They basically call bullshit on blonde girls' dreams and whatever. Yeah. But... But there's no indication he, he that this zombie somebody. did anything wrong. He could be a resident on the island. Exactly. He could be exploring like them. And yeah. he just chased him and beats him up. Yeah. Um, but then gets bitten, doesn't he? He gets bitten. And the rest of the 80s stereotype gang find him. And they help him. Uh, moustache guy... You know, come on, if you're listening to us, you, you know our thing for moustaches. And this guy, 
might have the best moustache we've ever seen. It is fucking meaty. It is huge. It has its handlebars. It can almost... It could have been cast as a separate character. Uh, yeah, I've never seen anything like it. This is proper 70s porn star moustache. I was going to say, he looks more of a porn star yeah. than uh, Chuck. <laughs> Imagine if Chuck had that moustache. Um, he's angry at a blonde girl... Uh, because she uh, because she knows there's a hospital there. Yeah, so she knows there's a hospital, but she doesn't know where. Yeah, and he, he's angry at her because of this. Yeah. So David, Chuck and Valerie find an opening uh, to a cave, and they explore it whilst the 80s gang find the hospital. Yeah, so they, they actually find the hospital quite successfully and quite quickly, considering she didn't know where it was. She just knew it existed. I know you've called me out on, on here before for being a little harsh to some characters, but Rod looks like he smells fucking disgusting. He does, actually. Uh, oh, my God, this guy. He looks like he's a zombie before he's even transformed he into He really him. does, actually. He, he has the longest hair and beard, uh, a big hairy chest, uh, to add to the testosterone of the film. <laughs> and um, He's the only one that gets with a girl. Uh, well, if that's what you can call it. Yeah. Uh, he finds candles, and uh, the blonde girl knows it's the door. She, she's found the door to hell, uh, and she knows exactly what to do with it. She does. Rob blows out the candles, and they find and they find guns. Um, is it Dan? His name, or is it? I, I have him written down later. I don't. You don't find out his name until later on in the film. No. In the tradition of these films. Um, but, yes, Dan finds a bunch of guns in a box. Rod seems sexually aroused by these guns. Yeah. Um, he is very, very excited to see these guns. Oh, my God, sweet baby. Come here, baby girl. Come here, baby girl. And he looks like he's going to fuck these guns. So the idea is that the guns are there in the hospital because the hospital had to defend themselves, yeah. uh, even though they're quite pristine and still in a box. And no one's in the hospital. Tommy is uh, stone cold dead. And we're told he's almost in a coma. Uh, And uh, after this, David, Chuck and Valerie find uh, Voodoo HQ from the start of the film. And David finds the Book of the Dead. Valerie warns him against it. Chuck starts to read it. And there's a part in there that says, do not read this any further. You will awaken the dead. And of course, David reads it. So the zombies attack. David fights them. Chuck kills one. Valerie and David are killed quite fast. Uh, David looked like... Uh, who did he look like? Uh, Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard. That's, I 80s think it was Cliff Richard. 80s Cliff Richard. Now, I know... I'm sorry to interrupt, Gary. I know you're quite confused at the moment. Gary's pages haven't stuck together. Um, they've just raised the zombies, even though the zombies were already raised. Yeah. Previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're not hearing things. This is scene completely fucking pointless. Yeah. Scene of them raising the zombies. Yeah, there's nothing to indicate the zombies had been killed from the, the book of the dead because the zombies were already there. I mean, fucking what's his name got bitten by one? Yeah, yeah, they're already there. Yeah, um, zombies attack. They have a fight. Uh, Chuck manages to escape because he's a big action hero. Um, with his big chest and Rod gives a monologue on being scared and being a man uh, and then the zombies attack Chuck shows up no one questions who the fuck he is no, he arrives tells them how to kill zombies uh, by shooting them in the head 
More zombies arrive. They get shot down by the men. All the men grab their guns and they stand out on the porch and they all shoot them all down because they're men. Yeah, throughout Big, this straight whole, men. This this whole hospital siege seems to go on for fucking ages. Yeah. And throughout the whole thing, um, there's this bullshit with the blonde girl, I forget her name, whatever. Jenny. Uh, with an amulet. So when the candles are lit in the hospital, there's some candles that were lit when they got there. Uh, we don't find out who lit the fucking candles. Nope. Um, but when they're lit and she places the amulet by the candles, then the hospital is protected from the zombies mm-hmm. for some reason. Some reason she knows this. Yeah, so simple. Just leave it there. Yeah, but who? But she keeps on putting the fucking amulet <laughs> on, and then the zombies keep going forward. And some of the zombies seem to fly or <laughs> jump out of nowhere, or they do fucking kung fu, um, and then. Other zombies just stand still yeah. and go at a fucking snail's pace. With the same shot we get to see over and oh, over again. Oh, the same shot over and over again. It's so inconsistent and just fucking annoying and goes on forever and ever. Yeah, because the amulet looks far too good not to wear, so oh. she has to keep wearing it. And, yeah. There's one scene where she's proper fiddling with it for ages as well. Like, well, that could be on the stand with the candles right now. But how does she know this <laughs> shit? How does she know? It's it's not, you know, it's not zombie folklore. No. You know, anyone who's heard of zombie stories knows to shoot them in the head. Yeah. We get that. Uh-huh. But none of us amulet light the candles no. bullshit. So, I'll start referring to Blonde Girl as Jenny now because we only found out her name at this point in the film. Um, she lights the candles. Tommy comes back to life and bites Louise, one of the other girls that was there. Jenny stabs zombies with scissors because um, she's not allowed a gun. Jenny gets attacked by another zombie and Mustache comes to her rescue because he's a man. Somehow they have petrol and they start a fire around the house. Uh, and Jenny lights the candles again. <laughs> the zombies attack again. <laughs> Zombie Tommy um, tips the table of candles over and then gets killed. Uh, Rod shouts a bunch of things and uh, kills some zombies outside and zombie Louise bites him. More zombies attack. The survivors uh, swing bodies onto a fire for about three minutes. Oh my god, it goes on for ages. For some reason we have to watch all of that. Um, We get a recap and exposition from Chuck in case you forgot everything that happened up to this point. Uh, Zombies all line up outside again with the same shot as before. We get some exposition from Jenny now. Uh, who remembers being a child from the beginning of the film? The big plot twist. What a surprise. Oh, and throughout this whole thing, sometimes it's daylight and sometimes it's yeah. night. Yeah, the, this is when it starts switching yeah. quite frequently. So Jenny knows everything that happened to her when she was a kid and with her parents. Zombie Rod uh, has a laugh at Mustache and then walks away. So uh, Mustache goes after him, uh, ends up in a church, and Zombie Rod tries convincing him to join the zombies because, you know, persuasive. And you can talk. Oh, and you can talk. Yeah. Uh, it's daylight now, by the way. Yeah. Um, but when Rod starts talking, it turns to night time. Yeah. Uh, zombie Rod shoots Mustache, because they can shoot people now, zombies. Yeah. Uh, he shoots him. He can him. guns. Yeah, he bites him. It's daylight again. Dan, Jenny, and Chuck go to see him, see if he's all right. Uh, Mustache dies at night time. Zombies gather outside again. Uh, and Zombie Mustache comes back to life and shoots Dan after Dan refuses to kill him. Yeah. Uh, and he switches again between day and night about three times between those moments. Yeah. 
Why would Dan refuse to shoot uh, Zombie Moustache? Like, he knows what's going to happen to him. He's like, yeah. I can't do it. I can't. Yes, you can. <laughs> so, Chuck and Jenny escape. And uh, Dan blows the hospital up with a grenade. Because he's a man. <laughs> Chuck and Jenny get attacked. Uh, they take a nap after their attack. They attacked. do. They do go for a sleep. Inexplicably, they have a sleep. Yeah. In From, the out of nowhere. Whilst they're being attacked. Asleep in the woods. Yeah. Um, they wake up next to the entrance to the cave, conveniently. Yeah. They go in. Jenny reads the book of the dead. Chuck is killed. Jenny puts a stop to it all, but then her face starts falling apart and she's now a zombie. And we get the theme song. That ending makes zero sense. Absolutely no sense. At all. No why sense. would reading the Book of Dead again yeah. be a good idea? And why would it turn her into a zombie But the now? whole idea is that she's read the Book of the Dead so that she can close the gate or send the zombies back. I'm not really sure. It's a big fucking fat book, yet they only read two pages of yeah. the whole thing. you think they'd read it thoroughly before doing any shit, but whatever. They, they manage to get to the page that they want pretty easy, but... I just awful, awful. I, I really is, hated this film. What is your highlight? Of this there film? is no highlight. <laughs> the thing is, the, the, this film's it was filmed in the Philippines again and showcases absolutely none of the scenery that the, the second film did. My my highlight is that some of the gore's all right. Um, some of it. My highlight. Not all of it. The mustache, if I'm honest. Mustache. Yeah. Uh, what's your favourite kill? <laughs> uh, I, do you know, I can't even fucking remember any of them. Um, I, I mean, my favourite kill would be at a push Louise. She didn't die. She no. got bitten. I, I don't know. No, there's not really one no. I can think of. It's not a good film. It has a number of laughable moments. You can laugh at how messy it is if you're not analysing it like we were. Um, Zombie Wife, uh, Voodoo Wife was pretty fun to watch. That was fun to watch. Yeah. There are some laughable things, but it is a bad film. Yeah, it is it's shit. Not, it's so inconsistent. It, it's, it raises way too many questions that it never answers. Yeah. And it becomes annoying. You know, why, why is this character making that decision? You know, wh- why is it suddenly daytime and a nighttime? Why would they go for a fucking nap in the middle of a zombie apocalypse <laughs> in the middle of the woods? And the biggest question of them all, who lit those fucking candles? <laughs> a question that a character actually asks during the film. Yeah, never gets I'd answers. like to think that was unscripted. So, moving on, because we... <laughs> We have 15 minutes to talk about I'm this I'm not even shit. sure how much I want to talk about this film. This film is awful. However bad the third one was, this is absolute dire shit. We have a new low on the podcast. It was the Beaster Bunny. This is worse than the this Beaster Bunny. This is one of the most boring films it, I've It's ever the worst film I've ever seen in my life. to watch. I was genuinely upset. I was miserable. If I weren't recording a podcast episode on this, we'd have turned it off. We would have turned it we off. Check. I thought, do you know what? It's near the end of the film now. I'm going to check the time. You know, it's going to be a few minutes left. It was fucking half an hour in. Yeah, awful. It was a horrible experience. Don't ever watch this film. Listen to us talk about it. Don't put yourself through it. Zombie Flesh Eaters 4, also known as Zombie 5, Killing Birds, also known as Raptors. The creators of that title are telling you a massive lie. 
This is yeah. not about zombies. It's not about killing birds. It's about nothing. It's it's it's. It's a haunted house film. It's a bird watching film. It's everything but a fucking bird killing it's birds a film. Mess. It has absolutely no idea what it wants to be. Made in nineteen eighty seven. Somehow released as the fourth film in this franchise. Yeah. Made on one hundred and fifty million. Um, the currency you said. Yeah. Um, directed by Claudio Latanzi, or was it? Joe D'Amato is uncredited director, but it's there's a big thing going around that he secretly directed it. Hun, if you secretly directed it, keep that shit a you secret. Be ashamed of yourself. You you blame this Claudio Latanzi. I'm not. Yeah. I, you know, I I'd shift the blame if I made something that's terrible. Um, Joe D'Amato has made quite a lot. Yeah, he does a lot of. I think he does a lot of sleazy films. Yeah, he, he was fair. a cinematographer on this. Yeah, he also did a shit job at that because it's fucking what cinematography. Yeah, so he. Um, yeah, he he directed just a lot of sleazy films. To be fair, what I don't understand is this film was made in nineteen eighty seven. It looks like it was made in the early two thousands. It does look weird, doesn't it? The, all the characters look like they're from the early 2000s. It's like they had a time machine, made this shit film, and delivered it back to the 80s. It's weird. It's fucking weird. Released as Zombie 5 to capitalise on the success of the first three. And the house from the film is the house from the beyond. That's as exciting as it gets. Yeah. Do you know what Joe D'Amato made? Have you got the... Uh... Oh, yeah. So he made... Um... Oh, what have we watched that he made? Oh, did he? Oh, he did Absurd. There we go. So... He directed Absurd. That explains it. That was also shit. And I think he did that Emmanuel on the last Cannibals film. I don't remember that being very good either. That's when I fell asleep, where there was just loads of close-ups of ladies' genitals. Honestly... Saying this as a gay man, I'd rather have watched close-ups of Lady Genitals than watch this film. <laughs> a group of students goes into the woods to study birds and soon the dead begin to rise to devour the living. It doesn't matter because that's bullshit. So we start off with a title card. Uh, but Actually, before we start, you don't see a zombie in this film until 57 minutes in and you're not even sure it's a fucking zombie. And birds don't actually kill anyone in this film, just to let you know. It, they may have done at the end, it's implied, but you don't see birds killing anyone. No, no. We get a title card, and we get to see a big road and a lorry coming down it. Um, tricking you into thinking you're watching Pet Cemetery, but you're not that lucky. Uh, an army guy gets out. He's a war veteran. Uh, he goes to a house where there's parrots everywhere and bird, different types of birds. Uh, a guy gets killed. Uh, his girlfriend runs away. This killer follows her, uh, kills a the bird, then kills her. This couple and their baby find him killing her. He throws a knife at the dad's head, slits the mum's throat, and takes the baby. Releases all the birds, and one of them takes his eye out. Eyes, both of them. Both of his eyes. He goes to the hospital with the baby, and that's the opening sequence of this film. Yeah. So what... that's the opening sequence of Zombie Flesh Eaters Four. Yeah. So it's played out more like a slasher film. Yeah. We're meant to know, for some reason, that this is a Vietnam War veteran <laughs> who's come home to find his wife in bed with another man. 
And killed them both. Yeah. And then his friends stumble upon what's happened. He kills them, takes the baby to the hospital. Okay? Yeah. And let's face it, this guy's played out to be a bit of a good guy for a lot of the film. After we've seen him massacre these people. Yeah. He's mysterious, but he's not played out to be a bad guy, per no. se. And the thing is, we know... He doesn't do anything. Well, we know this happened because we have Wikipedia. We were in 2020. Yeah. Imagine watching this in the 80s and having to try and decide what's going on. It's impossible to decipher what what really was going on. Uh, I mean, he, he looked like he was in army clothes. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, there was really no indication as to what year it was. Um, then we jump forward, don't we? We're introduced to Steve. Steve's a fucking arsehole. I can't stand him. Um, for no particular reason. It just gets on my fucking nerves in this film. He, he doesn't know where to look. It, he'd be more believable as the blind character than the actual blind character. It's very awkward. It's very awkward acting. Absolutely. The, the acting in this film is some of the worst acting I've ever it's seen. really The terrible. soundtrack in this film is the worst soundtrack I've ever heard in my life. Oh my god, there's some like weird... Lift music. Yeah, or like cheery romantic music, but very yeah. loud as well. For a lot of the beginning. When they're establishing these characters, mm. really loud. It's hard to hear what they're saying. You can't hear what they're saying because no. audio editing is so bad. Awful. Um, Steve gets a letter saying his grant's been approved. He shows it to every person on the planet. Shows it to his friend Paul first. Uh, Anne is in the library. We don't know what's being said because you can't hear what they're saying. No. We only hear her asking someone to repeat a question, which she does twice in the film. She seems to be hard of hearing, yeah. apparently. <laughs> Um, she just keeps saying what to people. She does. She does. <laughs> um, Anne's being sent on an expedition uh, with Steve. We think Steve is her ex, maybe. Yeah, it feels like Steve's the ex. He's a um, is it ornithologist or, or f- yeah, well, studying like that. birds. So they've all yeah. gone to study birds, and Anne is a reporter for the university paper, and apparently she's. Um, the, the big juicy story is these guys going to look at birds. Yeah, in a zombie flesh eaters movie. In a zombie flesh eaters um, movie. So, Steve walks in on his computer friend watching the 80s version of internet porn, which is two stick characters fucking. Yeah. Um, Steve's telling this porn computer guy about his grant. Anne's doing some research and informs us the research is about a poor bastard blinded a blind bird watcher so is that the story yeah but we can't hear what she's saying oh. all i heard was poor bastard blind bird watcher yeah cool dude cop brian has to come on the expedition for some reason to keep an eye on him um but they've borrowed his van or something. we know he's a cool dude because he's wearing sunglasses oh yeah and uh, the most fake police costume i've ever seen <laughs> um they arrive at the house Steve and Anne go to investigate. Uh, we <laughs> get the guy from the start as an old man and he's been blinded. And because he's been blinded by these birds, he looks like a fucking monster when he takes his sunglasses yeah. off. It's insulting. And he's played by Robert Vaughan, who was a f- quite a successful actor. He was in The Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. He'd been Oscar nominated. Um, he'd done a lot of television work. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how long this is meant to be. I mean, um, the Vietnam War started in the mid-50s, uh, ended in the early 70s. 
So, but Rob, it looks like he's aged from the beginning about 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, he plays with some tapes of birds. I found out his name is Mr. Brown. He feels up Steve's face a bit. Um, and then everyone goes bird watching. Uh, cool Cop is playing the harmonica. I'm really going for it. Uh, the bird gang find a corpse in the car, scream and run away. And they find the house from the start of the film. Um, but by the way, this bird watching sequence goes on for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, with, with the awful soundtrack returning. Um, they find the house from the beginning of the film. Uh, they spent ages investigating the house. Again, they spent about 20 minutes investigating this fucking house. They, that's all this film is, is 80% of them investigating a house. But there's nothing in the house. There's nothing nothing in happens, there. nothing jumps out, nothing. There's a, well, a that's where you're wrong. Freak. A picture goes mouldy in one of their hands. Oh, it does. Uh, yeah, for yeah, some reason. reason. Yeah. A terrible special effect. And uh, someone finds a rocking chair rocking on its own because it's a haunted house film now. And uh, Steve finds a bloody sink and the bed sheets. These are the same from the start of the film and they still look fresh. I think this is a dream sequence. Is it? I think this is a dream sequence that Steve has. The birds have assembled outside. Oh yeah, he has a vision of his dead mum. Steve's getting strange vibrations about the house. Is exact words. So it kind of gives away that Steve is the baby. Yeah. From which the everyone fucking knows anyway. Which is meant to be dealt with as Dumb. a twist at the end. But yeah. it kind of gives it away now. Because he's not having dreams, he's having flashbacks. Even though he was a baby. Brian and Paul get the generator working. And they spend about five minutes doing so. I see this generator far too many times in this fucking film. We get to see everyone eat and talk about going to bed. The worst sex scene I've ever seen. People just move against each other a little bit. And then go to sleep. Yeah, and then just, like, turn over without saying a word. Yeah. Computer guys, computer stops working. Mary, who is uh, Paul's girlfriend, has a dream about being murdered. And we hear... She gets woken up by the loudest dripping noise you'll ever fucking hear in your life. (laughs) And uh, after this, the loudest dripping noise causes her to... uh, Go and watch Jennifer, who is Steve's girlfriend, uh, getting killed. She just watches. Uh, she gets killed by what we think is a zombie. Yeah. Um, Paul's girlfriend decides to... She just watches and then tells Paul after she dies. And then we get a shot slightly later on of the, the, the glasses girl. I can't remember her name. Uh, who was attacked by the zombies. Yeah, Jennifer. Yeah, coming back alive as if she was a zombie, but nothing comes of that. Nothing comes of that. No. Everyone goes searching for her um, for, for a very long time, about another 20 minutes of just searching for another character. Brian gets set on fire. Yeah, um, for some reason. After he's set on fire and after, obviously, Jennifer's dead, Mary says there's something evil about this place. More investigating. Mary finds Jennifer. Computer guy has to go back for his computer after he escapes. Claims no one would understand why he has to go back for his computer. Yeah. Uh, computer guy then uh, he he starts uh, trying try starting the van for ages. A zombie grabs Mary. They all run back to the house. Computer guy goes on his computer, start barricading the house up. They go back to sort the generator again. Computer guy is killed somehow by shoving his hand in the generator. Yeah. Because. 
Yeah, I mean, why. now it's a mysterious suicide film as well. Yeah. Zombie kills Paul and uh, Anne and Steve escape. Mr. Brown explains that Steve is the baby from the beginning. No one gives a shit. Apparently, Mr. Brown is killed by birds and Anne and Steve escape. So the whole idea is that these zombies were the people killed at the beginning getting their revenge. Yeah. Uh, but a revenge on people that they never knew. Yeah. And then this doctor, this brown whatever guy goes back and sacrifices himself to the zombies well, so that they can get their revenge. Yeah. So highlights none. None. Best it's best awful. None. Shit. Nothing redeemable Bore, about this film. It really is so boring. Do yourself a favor and never watch don't it. Don't watch it. It's called Killing Birds. There's absolutely no zombie birds in this. No. Barely any zombies. Barely any fucking birds. No. Missed old PPI all across the board. Yeah. Shit. Don't watch. There is a new zombie fleshiest film in development called Zombie They Live. And hopefully it's better than that bullshit. Hopefully. So, as a whole, we've only got two minutes left. As a whole, the franchise starts off good and goes fucking dire by the time you reach the third film. Mm-hmm. Watch the first two. Don't bother with the rest. No. Yeah. And that's Zombie Flesh Eaters. If you're listening on social... Uh, if you listen on social media. <laughs> if you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Like and follow on everything else. Let us know on social media. Horror Court Trash over Facebook and Instagram. Horror Court Trash on Twitter. Your favourite moments from these films. Why the people who voted for Killing Birds enjoyed Killing Birds. <laughs> I'm Gazma205 on Instagram. Gazcruz92 on Twitter. Delacgaz92 on Letterboxd. I'm ChrisBarker823 on Letterboxd, Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see you on Friday for our original Versus Remake episode on The Hills of Eyes. Bye. Death one!